The following podcast is a Green Fresh Media production. Yes, mini M&Ms are way better than oh regular gosh, M&Ms. Yes, I said what I said. Yes. yes, I said what I said. It's just like easier to you could like pop it in your purse. I think street smarts are super important because book smarts, you may not execute on anything that you're learning and execution is literally the key to success. Okay, next question. What is better, love or friendship? Ooh, when you put a, a legit face, like eyes, mouth, like that kind of thing on a banana, for example, on Cartoon Network, like that freaks me out so much. I don't understand because I eat those bananas and I don't want to feel like they have faces you know hello hello hi hey guys it's your host Assam and Emma here with another episode of before, before we, we make it, it. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode, Full Transparency. This is a re-recording of an episode we recorded <laughs> last week. We recorded it in our red hoodies. It was like, I think the day before the red Taylor's version album came out. So iconic. We just, yeah, we were in a different mindset at that point. Honestly, I really enjoyed that recording. Like we were so cozy. It was so great. Like we were both like, okay, we're not going to get dressed up for this. And then we get to the recording and it's like <laughs> in glasses, no makeup, really messy hair, and these like red hoodies that are just so not aesthetic at all. And I loved it. We were vibing. Yeah, it was really fun. But today we are honestly just going to get straight into Truly Obsessed. We have yes. an episode with a lot of content in it. So we're just going to like get started as soon as we can. So Desan, why don't you take it away? Yes. Yes. So I have really been into it's so funny because I'm in my boyfriend's room and he has this like tapestry behind me that literally reminds me of the woods from Twilight. And it just gives the whole room just like an ominous vibe. Like, I don't know why I'm trying to <laughs> act like I'm a nature girl. But <laughs> to that point, I have really been into hiking recently. I went to Yosemite Park and we did some really beautiful trails. And in general, just in Palo Alto outside of SF, there's a lot of beautiful, beautiful like nature areas, parks, etc. And I've really been into hiking and honestly, just getting to the top of like a mountain and seeing the beautiful waterfalls, nature photography, etc. I started another account called Flash in Motion if you want to follow me. But anyway, I also went to a rave. What the heck? Like, who am I? With my boyfriend and we saw Seven Lions. He was actually incredible. Like, the visuals from the rave was amazing. It was in an auditorium, very chill. And I actually really like their music now. So that's my second. Oh, three, Soft Landing by J.P. Sachs. Like, he released the deluxe version of his album. And Soft Landing is, like, my go-to song right now. I'm obsessed with it. Even though Taylor Swift is also on my playlist all the time recently. And then last but not least, my lip duo, which is the Urban Decay Comfort Matte in Hitchhike, a very pigmented mauve color layered with Kylie Cosmetics lip gloss in Snatched, which gives it a more nudier touch. So <laughs> that was a mouthful, but nudier. that's it for me. No, I love that. And I am happy that you're like embracing this rave culture like while you have the chance because I know you're going to be working really hard in a couple months once you start your job. So like live your life, do like the whole EDM rave girl thing. Oh but, my gosh. No, it's so funny. But I was so oddly dressed. Like everyone is basically, you know, not wearing anything. <laughs> and here I was like all ready to go out in heels and like a leather jacket. <laughs> That is hilarious. I'm sure there are other people there that it was their first time. So it's like they're not sure about 
you know, like the customary outfit that you're supposed to wear to those things. And I also doubt people like actually noticed, but anyway. Okay. So for me, my first truly obsessed is so random. It's not exactly like an item, but it's more of like a mindset. Mm. And that mindset is being a TikTok commenter. (laughs) So if like, if you are active on TikTok, which I'm trying to be less active, but like obviously at night before I go to bed or something, I'll find myself scrolling. And it's just like a good, you know, source of comedy. Mm -hmm. But I will go through and just look at the comments on videos that I know are probably going to have all these like funny comments (laughs) from people. And then I save them or I'll like save um, the video so that way I can remember to go back and look at the comments. I just feel like there's different language that cycles through people's humor. And I feel like, I don't know. Remember like like the mommy trend that's going around right now? Like mommy, mommy? Exactly. That's so funny to me. (laughs) <laughs> no, exactly. Like even in high school, people started saying like, oh, like I'm going to roast you or like, swag. I don't know, random. Yeah. Like swag, like random words. So the way to keep up with these trends is honestly to check the TikTok comments because people will come up with the most random words, <laughs> but they're so funny. So I'm just really trying to be more creative in that sense, like comment funny things. And like literally I'll comment on people's TikToks <laughs> and then friends of mine will like my comments. And like, how did you guys get here? Because I think like if your mutual friend is commenting on TikTok, it shows up at the top for you. So interesting. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been like my fun little activity. And then I have some music favorites. So two songs by The Strokes, The Adults Are Talking and Selfless. They're just really incredible, like driving with the windows down songs. They're – yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say like feel good, but it's like alternative, feel good, kind of indie. I can't really explain it, but like if you listen to the strokes, you understand what I mean. So those songs are really amazing. And then Light My Love by Greta Van Fleet. So good. I just discovered them because I'm late to the game, but they're amazing. And this song in particular is just like rocking out, like Oh my gosh, it's a longer song too. So just incredible. I dance to it at night and it's really fun. <laughs> and then my last favorite is a candle. It's called Pumpkin Dulce by Capri Blue, which is the same brand that has like that popular volcano candle. It's always burning anthropology. It's like their classic scent. But this pumpkin one is just perfect for fall. And I don't know, like scent affects your mood so much. So I'm just like trying to enjoy all the pumpkin stuff before like peppermint mocha season really kicks into play. Dude, it's already peppermint mocha season. Like- like, let's be real. I'm so excited about all the peppermint flavor snacks that are coming out. And uh, I'm, yeah, I'm ready for it. No, I feel that. I'm actually drinking coffee with peppermint mocha creamer right now. Aww, like, <laughs> to be to our So, fridge. yeah, I know. I'm contradicting myself, but it's just like, I don't know. We're in a transition period because, like, next week is already going to be Thanksgiving. And then day after that's Christmas. So, yeah, that, that's been a huge favorite. Definitely recommend that candle. But anyway, you want to introduce today's topic? Okay, guys. So, we are talking about deeper questions that people avoid or the ones that we all want answers to, but no one actually asks them, you know? And I feel like this is such a good conversation topic because you know those moments in like a really good combo where you just get super deep and then you ask like the most random question, like are we in assimilation or something? And then people are just brainstorming different ideas to this. And yeah, so we're going to start off with have you ever wondered about blank? So you could go. (laughs) Okay. So this is a new question I'm adding to the mix. I know we already said that where this is a re-recording, but in the past week I've gotten to brainstorm this. So I want you to answer. Is it better to feel too much or to feel too little? Ooh, that's such a good one. I don't think either is good. I think 
everything. It's about balance. It's about homeostasis. You know, it's about making sure that you have a little bit of everything because you never want to teeter into one direction. I think it's actually better to feel too much because at least that allows you to connect with people. Like I can't imagine a life where you don't experience any human connection genuinely and you never Mm -hmm. experience like those really deeper emotions that make life so much fun, like happiness, joy, euphoria, even sadness, because that could also lead to gratitude and a, a source of like presence and just gratefulness in your life. So yeah, I definitely think too much, too little just makes life so black and white and not colorful at all. Yeah, no, I'm honestly glad that you answered it that way because I was thinking of like Vampire Diaries and if you've seen it, you are probably familiar with like the whole concept of switching off their emotions because like they're vampires mm-hmm. and they kill people. Like, I mean, they could choose to not, but obviously like at some point or other they did. And so to prevent themselves from feeling all that guilt, they turn their emotions off. They flip the switch. And I remember watching it. I was like, this is so freaking dumb. Like, why would you not want to have emotions? Like they're just being dramatic. And I, that's what sort of like made me want to ask this. And I, I agree with you. I think feeling too much and then working from there on like how to like moderate those emotions is better than like literally having no feelings at all. Being like a cardboard box with nothing good to say. No, like, I don't know. It just seems dull and boring. Like that's not the point of life. Like we're supposed to feel things, even if it means that we are extra vulnerable for that. Yeah. But I would be down to not feel pain ever. Like or negative emotions. <laughs> I'd be down. I would be so down. Like imagine going to the gym and just being able to like lift super heavy things because you don't feel the pain of it or not feeling discomfort, not feeling annoyance or anger even. Like that would be so nice because a lot of people oh, have yeah. to mediate those emotions and it takes a lot of work. Yeah. I think it comes with the it I don't know, it's sort of like a catch 22. Like, yes, you get all of the amazing, like beautiful emotions in life, but with that you have to accept that you're also gonna get the negative stuff. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's just a great compromise, but anyway, let's move on. Do we choose who we fall in love with? I don't think that we necessarily choose. I feel like it's literally in the same, like we fall in love. Mm -hmm. It just, it happens. We just, yeah, we fall. It happens kind of randomly. It can even happen with people that we wouldn't expect it to. I think we choose who we give our time to and who we develop relationships with because that's obviously like an active decision. You know, we make plans or we accept plans or, you know, we make the effort to text them or accept their calls, like whatever it is. But as far as the actual emotions go and and having that connection right off the bat, I don't think it's something that we get to decide. That's so interesting. It's kind of like saying fate is fate, right? And destiny is going to be whatever ends up happening. But I will say I recently uh, heard a speaker who was like a scholar and he published a book, nonfiction on basically thought frameworks. And he was basically saying that every single thought that we have is a subconscious decision that we make. And our entire world is made up of social constructs. He was saying, that success, money, math, uh, even religion, like everything is a social construct, which is quite a hot take, honestly. But I think that we are primed to seek specific attributes in an attractive partner because of evolution, because we want to obviously have the highest chance of success of producing healthy offspring, I guess. But also there's something subconscious in us that is molded by society and society standards. You know, you always see that bad boy who's like, has just a soft spot for you. You have certain characteristics like a strong jawline and big arm muscles that we all find attractive. And there's also something about your parents and your dad specifically if you're a girl that you may look for in men because you associate them with security and warmth. So I do think we don't choose who we fall in love with because of that. But then there's also the side of we choose 
to open ourselves up vulnerably to people that we otherwise don't have to. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a little bit of both, but overall, I feel like we both are kind of on the same page with it. And that brings us into our next question. So like what determines our type or our attraction to certain people slash aversion to others? Because I mean, like guys that I have found attractive, other people literally just don't find them attractive at all, which makes me sad. It's like, I want you to find them attractive, but (laughs) it's, yeah, it's confusing. Like some people prefer like leaner guys, some people prefer bigger guys, some people prefer like dad bods. And I mean, I'm sure it's it's the same for guys. Like they have their own preferences too. So what are your thoughts? I think type is totally a myth. I don't think anyone has a type. I think everyone has people, certain people, especially celebrities that they find attractive. But when it comes to falling in love or being in a partnership or relationship, it's definitely more of like you are going to find them attractive. And then when you get out of that relationship, you're going to look for similar physical traits. What do you think? Yes, I totally agree. I... Well, okay. In the sense that you say people like don't have a type, I don't necessarily agree because I personally know I have a type. Like, not you that do. I'm not open. <laughs> yeah, I do. The vision board. Oh my gosh. Yes. I made a vision board for my close friend's story with like the like my guy in like five different guys. Celebrities. So it was, oh my gosh, who was? It was like Chris Evans, Theo James. I can't even remember the other three, but they it all was have great. facial I hair. I recommend that. They all they have all facial hair. Like- James didn't. <laughs> A little bit of a modern Tarzan. (laughs) (laughs) We all we all know exactly who they look like. We all know exactly who they all look like. But anyway, so yeah, I I think that we do have a type, but I also think that we are flexible, maybe without even trying to be, because sometimes you just meet someone and you don't expect to be attracted to them or to be super into them because they're not your typical type. But then because of other factors, whether it's like personality or circumstances or just like you guys having a lot in common, like somehow it works out. So yeah, I don't know. I'm like a little bit on both sides. Okay. Can you explain what are pheromones? Because I know you said that this is a huge contributing factor <laughs> to attract- attractiveness. And this is like a little science honestly. We've talked a lot about pheromones before. So pheromones are basically chemicals that we produce, which change the behavior of other animals of the same species. So, and okay, it's weird because I was looking at videos on this and some people think it doesn't exist. Some people think it's a myth. There are literally oils and perfumes that you could buy that increase your pheromones. Mm. And it's, sort of like this underlying scent. Like people aren't just going to be able to identify it like, oh, she smells like vanilla. I'm going to go talk to her. (laughs) It's more so like this underlying animalistic attraction that's based off of how we perceive those smells. And so like the whole thing about pheromones is that the people that we are attracted to, it's more so that we're attracted to their pheromones and their scent gives off something to us that indicates that we would make really great offspring essentially. So funny. So it's so, yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I'm still looking further into it because like I said, Hank Green, he doesn't think that it's a fully developed thing, which I totally get. Like, how are we supposed (laughs) to actually know if it's like a placebo effect or if it's real? I personally think it's real. Yeah, I totally agree. And with that note, are humans special? Are we just animals? <laughs> um, we are glorified animals. I agree, but I also think we are special, especially if you look at, you know, like religious texts and stuff like that. It says that we are the chosen species and we have conquered every single other species on the planet. We've been able to obviously use the fruit of the earth for natural resources. We've been able to domesticate animals, build infrastructures, even like create light bulbs and all these techie things. And I think that we are extremely special because of our brains and how developed they are in comparison to other animals. 
But we also have very animalistic tendencies. We obviously need to eat. We need to feed ourselves. We need to clothe ourselves. And we are very limited by our physical weaknesses, I guess, or physical limitations. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's obvious that we are special because we use more of our brains in a way that like we as humans think is superior to like anyone else in the animal kingdom. And by anyone else, I mean animals. But like in the animal world, like their metric system for what is deemed like smart and special is so different from ours. Mm -hmm. Like ours is, it's just different. So there's also a documentary on this on Netflix, by the way. Netflix Explained series. I will not stop recommending it to people. Which episode? I think it's the one called like Animal Intelligence. Mm. Yeah, super good. But I mean, I also do think we can't forget the fact that at the end of the day, we are animals. Like animalistic tendencies come out from us all the time. When we're angry, when we're hungry, so many different things that we experience in our life, like that's always going to be there at our core. So it's really interesting. But <laughs> I would I would love to watch this documentary together. We could take it. Yes. Okay. Next question. What is better, love or friendship? Ooh. Okay. I mean, you can't really compare the two. It's totally different. I think you need both. Absolutely. And you do need friendship in love, but love is just so much deeper. Not that saying a friendship can't be deep, but obviously because of the physical intimacy, it's really hard to compare the two. Yeah. This question was originally worded as like a romantic partner or a lifelong partner because I feel Like sometimes people will just end up marrying someone who they just have a really great friendship with, Mm. but it's not necessarily the most intense romantic partner that they could have. But if they did have that deep, intense romantic partner, it might be more of a roller coaster than like a stable, consistent friendship. Oh, wow. So in that, yeah, like it seems obvious, like you would choose the one that's consistent because stability is really nice. Stability gives you peace. But at the same time, like, would you rather have stability or would you rather have a deep, intense connection that is just mind-blowing honestly that literally reminds me of everyone that puts this in their instagram bios i'm not here for a long time i'm here for a good time so it's kind of like do you want a shorter life that's higher quality quote unquote or do you want a longer life that's perhaps like a little less intense but also very balanced and healthy but i was talking about this with some guys recently about how a lot of women can actually misconstrue toxic personality traits in men as attractive because they associate this toxic protectiveness, territorialness, even controlling attributes as, oh, wow, he is so safe and secure. I feel so confident and protected under him when actually it's toxic and it's counterproductive. And those men are usually more insecure. So kind of interesting. Yes, for sure. I think obviously people would want a mix of both in an ideal world. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I do think that people are faced with these decisions. Like there's so many books that I've come across recently that are based on this premise of like, do you choose the one that's intense and like that movie dramatic type love Mm -hmm. that is really risky and you know, the highs are so high, but the lows are insanely low. Or like you choose the one that's like stable and peaceful and consistent. And it's like literally the greatest question ever. I mean, I don't I don't necessarily even have an answer for it now, but I challenge you guys to think about that because I think it could say a lot about your personality. Yes. Our next sponsor for today's episode is Flourish Pancakes. North Americans eat too much sugar and that's a fact. Flourish is on a mission to take away 260 million grams of sugar and add 1 billion grams of protein to North American diets by 2023, all without sacrificing flavor. When founder Andrew Maida was in university, he found himself feeling sluggish and exhausted from his daily McDonald's breakfast run. He couldn't find a solution that fit his early 20s cooking skills or his tight schedule. So he set out to create a breakfast that would not only taste amazing, but leave him feeling super energized and fueled for the day. 
The key to this magical meal was a lack of sugar and a lot of protein. Guys, Flourish Pancakes is an incredible new pancake brand. I personally had the chocolate ones this morning and they were so delicious. You can't even tell that they're packed with protein because they don't have that chalky dense texture that you're probably used to seeing in most protein products. All of their products are high in protein and low in sugar, which means that you're going to feel super satisfied and full until your next meal with no energy crashes. There's a flavor for everyone, chocolate, birthday cake, vanilla, buttermilk, so good. No matter what dietary restrictions you follow, they have a delicious breakfast that'll fit right in. They're high protein, plant-based, gluten-free, and low-carb and keto. They're also ready in minutes, so if you're like me, rushing in the mornings, this is the breakfast for you. For most of their mixes, all you need to do is add water and cook. So if you want 10% off Flourish Pancakes, mention our discount code MAKEIT10 at www.flourishpancakes.com. Again, our discount code is MAKEIT10. Enjoy. Okay. What's more important, street smarts or book smarts? I definitely think book smarts are important. Like if you had street smarts without book smarts, then I don't know. I wouldn't take you seriously. But I do think that in the long run, street smarts will take you further in the sense of like developing relationships with people, being able to just navigate yourself in the world. Yeah, for sure. I think street smarts are super important because book smarts, you may not execute on anything that you're learning. And execution is literally the key to success in my opinion. But I do think the most important and impactful figures in all of history have been readers. Like I was reading Becoming by Michelle Obama and she was saying that Obama would literally have his entire apartment covered in books and research papers and newspapers. And he was just reading all the time. So I think consuming information and knowledge is such a pivotal part of growth and having great ideas. But you need to apply the street smarts to your book smarts to actually make something happen out of that. So yeah, I think street smarts specifically on navigating personalities, relationships, and working with others, that is absolutely pivotal to making anything happen. But you do need to have some knowledge to back you up. A thousand percent. Okay. Are things meant to be if they come back to you after leaving you? Because there's that quote, like, if it comes back, it's meant to be yours. And if it doesn't, it never was. <laughs> Such a good question. I definitely think sometimes we might read into things too much, especially if you are kind of an overthinker or someone that loves to picture yourself in this main character energy movie where things all just revolve around you, right? <laughs> so I would say that things are meant to be if they work out a second time, a third time, even a fourth time. But it doesn't necessarily mean that because it came back to you, it's going to work out that time. I mean, history repeats itself and a lot of things are not meant to be simply because of incompatibility or circumstances not lining up. And that's just something you have to set. Yeah, that's a really hard one because I think if you experience this sort of situation, even if it's not like a relationship, but it could even be like a friendship or a job, you believe that because it came back once that it's like, this is it. Like this is destiny. Like this is meant to happen happen. <laughs> and I don't necessarily think that's true. Like it, it might be meant to happen in that moment for that specific time of your life, but it doesn't necessarily translate to being meant to be in the long run because we're constantly changing. Things happen unexpectedly. Like you might not even want to have anything to do with that person in a year or so. Like it, everything is just so unpredictable. So I think like you can never say, oh, it's like not meant to happen. It's more so it might not be meant to be in the long run, but at least for now at this point in my life, like these are the circumstances and like this is where I'm supposed to be. Yes. So do you believe in the one? Mm, I mean, I used to, but I don't. I think that there are multiple people that you can deem like the one for that period in your life. Because I mean, if you even think about like how much we've changed since we were 16 years old, mm -hmm. like I'm sure at 16 
or even younger than that, like we all had those like major crushes that we yeah. thought were going to be like the love of our lives. <laughs> and it's not, I mean, it's charming. I think, yeah, exactly. But if we limited ourselves to just thinking that there's like only one person, then what happens when that ends? Like, do we just never find love again? That's as good. Do we just resign ourselves to accepting that that was like the only good thing to ever happen to us and we can never find anything that measures up? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't necessarily think that there's a one. I think believing in soulmates is actually a self-fulfilling prophecy. As in, if you believe that you and your significant other are meant to be together and you have to be together because this is like your destiny in life, then you are going to do every single single thing in your power to not only convince yourself that he's amazing all the time and perfect, but also to make the relationship work. So I think some people that are hopeless romantics actually allow that vision to come to life because they do everything to make it happen. Mm. Yeah, I I definitely... I definitely am a hopeless romantic though. Like that response seems, yeah, no, like a hundred percent. I am so mushy. Like when I fall in love, I fall very hard. But I mean, even, even then, like, I don't think it's wrong to say that you can have multiple like soul ties with different people at different points in your life. And like also believing that there's a one, it means that you're going to stay the same person that you are when you're initially attracted to them, which sort of like limits you from ever growing or becoming someone different. So I think it's also a good response to say that you can have multiple loves throughout your life. I mean, all the power to you, like if you never get your heart broken, (laughs) if you have one person and that's it, like for the rest of your life, like congratulations, but congratulations, congrats, like honestly, but it just realistically isn't how it is for most people. Yeah. Okay. I have to ask this quick question. Why do we care so much about seeming successful to others? Um, I don't think that's everybody. I think it's certain people, but I do think that in recent years with social media, especially it's become the thing that is the only thing that we live for basically is success. And I was thinking about this today as I was washing the dishes for some reason. <laughs> Dish thought. Yeah, exactly. In Italy, for example, like they prioritize rest. They prioritize enjoying life, eating good food, spending time with family and friends in the middle of the day. And we don't do that here. Like we are work, 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 go home to rest for a few hours, go to sleep, wake up at 6am and do it all over again, just for the weekend in which we don't really get that much time to enjoy the fruits of our labor until retirement. And so I think success, I guess, to answer your question, if people are striving for it so fervently and, you know, want it so badly, I think it's because it, it gives you an illusion of fulfillment. Mm-hmm. It it confirms all of the good things that you hoped were true about your identity and it cancels out any negative self-limitations that you ever had because it's like confirmation, like I could do it, I'm worthy, here's the proof on paper. But I don't necessarily think that it's true. I think it's just what we want to believe when we complete a task. It makes us feel good. Not saying that like you're not worthy of success, but I think that sometimes people value it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. So I'm going to be the naysayer here and say, I think every single person wants to seem successful to someone, whether that's their parents, their boyfriend, people on social media, or even their kids. And I think it kind of stems from like hunter-gatherer days when, you know, guys were the ones like achieving things for their community, going and hunting and stuff and girls were probably uh, more domestic and producing children whatever and so whatever your definition of success is everyone wants to feel accomplished everyone wants to be praised for something and I think it's because it attributes value and worth to you and recently I was rereading a snippet of uh, Men Are From Mars Women Are From Venus which Emma recommended to me by John Gray I believe 
And it was saying that men want to be needed, whereas women want to be cherished. So I think like maybe women want to seem successful so that they're cherished. And they're like, wow, like this woman is like really amazing. She's special. She's such a good mother. She's so good in her career. Whereas men are like, I want to feel successful or I want to appear successful so that I am an, an essential component of this society, my family, my community, whatever. Yeah, that's honestly a really great point. And that's a great book. Um, yeah. I will say that in the sense of the times that like I personally have experienced this, it's always out of a need to fill some sort of gap that I have mm. in my self-worth. It's Avoid. like, I need to feel exactly. I need to feel accomplished. I need to feel successful in this area or else I, I feel like I'm not a functioning member of society. I don't think that's like too far of a reach from what other people might feel. Yeah. I think that's exactly what I was trying to say, actually. Just like functioning <laughs> member of society. Like you want to feel like you belong in a sense. Mm-hmm. It's weird also because, I mean, this is like totally just an ex- expose but I do want to hear your thoughts on it. Like sharing that stuff on social media, what if you were to not share it on social media? Like would it be as big of a deal? Yeah, it's interesting because everyone wants to receive praise from people whose opinions they care about, right? Before social media, it was word of mouth. It was delivery through physical paper, there was constantly news being shared around a community. You know, if someone did something really amazing, like they uh, conquered a certain like animal and got like the entire community fed for a week or something, then that was definitely something to be praised. So I think it stems from the desire for us to kind of compare ourselves with other people and have this sort of ego boost, like, oh, I'm doing better than this person. I'm doing better than that person. Or I'm receiving people's attention and suddenly I feel worthy. So in a community, like in general as human I think we all want to feel special and that's why we put it on social media that's why we tell people about it because we want to feel that specialness you know exactly and like you said it's not even just social media like whatever whatever the way is for the time period that we're talking about which essentially it just means if other people know about it. And if other people don't know about it, and like, let's say you have the success that you're really proud of on your own, does it become less important if it's not being shared with other people? Yeah, it's like people's awe is like a currency Mm -hmm. nowadays in some sense. Mm -hmm. Do we create our passions or do we discover them? I think we definitely discover them. I don't, I mean, I guess maybe some people, they try new things that they never thought they'd try and then they discover that they're passionate about it. But I do think that we are born with, natural talents. Mm -hmm. And then of course, like it's our duty and our responsibility to do the work to untap those talents. Yeah. I think passions are actually pretty innate. I think there's something that you're born with, but at the same time, like your environment, the things that stimulate you, the activities you enjoy when you're younger, like playing with Barbies or playing with Legos, it's definitely something that helps you later become an engineer, fashion stylist, etc. Okay. Are we in a simulation? I definitely don't think that we're in a simulation because it, it just, yeah, I think we've convinced ourselves sometimes that maybe we are, but there's just too much craziness and unpredictability in the world that it doesn't make sense to me what the simulation would be for and why. Yeah, I think it would take a supernatural being and not a human being to create a world with so much good in it. Because I honestly think in history, like every single person that has had so much power over people or whatever, or enough power to create a simulation that encases 
all of us would not do it with such good intentions. I think it would wreak havoc, honestly, onto our world. And because our current world is filled with so much good and justice and a lot of great things about life in general, despite the downs, I think it's definitely would take a supernatural being. And that's why I don't think we're in a simulation. Not that I think technology one day can't get there, but. Okay. Do you believe in right person, wrong time? No, I don't. Because I actually think that if this was the right person, like you said, especially if you're a hopeless romantic and you really believe in love, then you could overcome all and any circumstances. So I think if it's not meant to be, then there will always be an excuse. And sometimes those excuses are environmental or or situational. Yeah, I don't know what to say about this question because I do think that sometimes it's something that's beyond our own control. Like let's say someone already committed to taking a job in another country, but they do really have strong feelings for you. And obviously like you could make the choice whether to move there or like, you know, you guys compromise in some sort of way. But I overall do think that if it is the right person at that time for you, then there wouldn't be those kind of barriers. But we definitely need to dive deeper into that one in another episode because I feel like we could say a lot more about it. It's kind of like with the pandemic. Like during the pandemic, everyone was either forced to break up or realize that how strong their feelings are for someone. And I think when things become more urgent and you have less time or circumstances don't become an issue anymore, then it's definitely something that reveals like the truth behind your compatibility. So I think the truth is always there. Circumstances are kind of just like something to sugarcoat it or to make the breakup more understandable and easier, I guess. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of Love, Rosie. She, if you guys haven't seen it, you need to love watch it. But or love that she, movie. Oh my God. Love <laughs> that movie. Yeah. She makes a speech to him. I don't want to, well, it's pretty much obvious, but her best friend. And she says, no matter who you're with, no matter what you're doing, I'll always love you. I'll always stand guard over your heart. And I just thought that was so beautiful because like, even if you're not with that person, I think you're still allowed to love them. You're still allowed to care about them. And it's it looks different from a normal relationship, sure, but like that's okay. Like that's totally fine. And and I just thought that was so poetic. <laughs> but anyway, okay. Why are mini candy bars called fun size? I've been called fun size before. I'm sure you have too. It's oh, I definitely have. Somewhat of a compliment. I think it's just meant to make it more snackable and just good marketing. Yes. Mini M&Ms are way better than oh regular gosh, M&Ms. Yes, I said what I said. Yes. yes. I said what I said. It's just like easier to, you could like pop it in your purse, take it with you to work or school. It's so easy. You don't have to eat like a huge candy bar. You just have a mini one. Can dogs feel emotions? Because I know dogs honestly are like man's best friend and they're literally people to a lot of people. I don't, I've never had a pet, so I wouldn't know. So I have a dog that I love so much. <laughs> And she is part of my family. I do think that she feels emotions. I do think dogs feel emotions. I just think that their emotions are different from ours, but they have the basic ones that we do. So sad, happy, excited. (laughs) I don't know if we count hungry as an emotion, but for sure hungry. So that way they start begging for treats. Yeah, I do. I Also, again, guys, there is a Netflix episode specifically on dogs and if they feel emotions – so yeah, I do. I just think that they're different from like our complex range of emotions. Yes. Check out Netflix Explained for that. I do think though <laughs> that we've domesticated them over time and they've evolved to become more human-like so that they're more compatible with mm. us. And they also have more highly – they also have a higher likelihood of survival. How many licks does it <laughs> – how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? <laughs> One, obviously. <laughs> What? (laughs) Okay. According to the commercial, it's three. Realistically, I'm going to go with like 250. Oh my gosh. What a perfect number. It takes forever. (laughs) 
Okay, 247. But like, how could you possibly get to the center in any less than that? Like it takes forever. Have you ever had like a Tootsie Pop or what was the last time you had one? Forever ago, but I do love candy in general. And yeah, I agree. This is so funny. I feel like it's one of those like, oh, guess how many jelly beans are in a jar? And then you get the the jar. It's like that kind of thing. Yeah, we need to put this to the test. I know. So why are tricks only for kids? Tricks are not only for kids. (laughs) I still have tricks. I think they were just like, let's come up with a slogan that's really cute and fun and basically like caters to the kids. That's really it. I still eat tricks though. That's like one of my favorite cereals. Yes. Okay. I want to ask this really deep question. Do you think that beliefs are something that we have evolved to lean on? Or do you think that there is truth out there to be found? I think there is truth to it. I mean, a lot of people could argue and even I could argue if I had to that it's something that we evolved ourselves to give us some sort of hope, some sort of faith for a life after this one. But it all depends on what you believe on your religion. I mean, there's so many different religions out there. There's spirituality. And I mean, that is a really loaded question. But I personally believe that there is something else. Like, I mean, I was raised Christian and I still believe that God exists. I think there's just a lot of questions that come with that, even in like being raised a Christian and like going to church avidly and all of that. Yeah, same. Exact same page as you. Um, It's kind of interesting because people have presented this argument that beliefs are evolutionary, as in it's not about what you believe. It's about what that belief does for you. And for example, if you believe that someone is watching over you, then you'll feel safer. You'll feel more comfortable you sleep better, and then more sleep leads to higher survival rates, whatever. I don't know. It's kind of interesting, this whole like evolutionary concept of what we evolved with to uh, increase our chances of survival. But I definitely think that truth is honestly defined by the individual. And I think it's interesting because we all like to say that we pursue truth, but at the same time, like the standard for truth, the standard for accuracy and all of that, it's totally varied via culture, via religion, via every single demographic. And it's just so interesting because if you look at history, like there's so much that has happened to lead us to the beliefs that we hold on to today. So yeah, it's a really cool and deep question. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I also have to say that I think, I mean, yes, there are so many awful, terrible things that don't have any reason behind them, or at least feels like they don't have any reason behind them that happen to all mm-hmm. of us. That's just a fact of life. Like death is just a fact of life. Tragedy is unfortunately a fact of life. Yeah. I also think that there are incredible alignments and miracles that take place that don't have a scientific explanation for them. And I mean, anyone can believe what they want to believe, but that is like just from my personal experience, what I believe. And I mean, yeah, like, of course, I wish we had concrete answers to all that. But I think that's where faith comes in. That's literally what it is. Just believing in something that we can't see. Yeah, I definitely don't think science is even we don't know everything about science. You know, like we once believed that the earth was center of the earth. We once believed (laughs) that earth was center of space of the solar system. We once believed the earth was flat. Like I'm so curious as to what things are going to come out in the future about how false our current scientific beliefs are. Um, But I do think there is a way to explain everything, especially if you have all the knowledge, which is impossible to find. But anyway, why are we freaked out by things that look human but aren't? (laughs) 
So this is explained by the uncanny valley theory. And you should look this up on YouTube if you are not familiar with this. If you've seen Polar Express, then you most likely got freaked out by the way that these characters' faces look like. I remember as a kid being so scared because they don't look like classic Pixar cartoons. <laughs> it's not Pixar, but like it's, so funny it's, it's almost – Yeah, no, there's like a whole thing around this though. Like it's crazy. People are literally terrified of this because it's trying to be human, but it's not human. And as humans, we know what other humans look like down to, I mean, the tiniest little morsel. Like we, we are humans, so we recognize ourselves. So it's just creepy when you see something that's in that weird in-between place, which is what is called the uncanny valley. <laughs> That's so funny. But I don't know. Some people <laughs> some people might not be creeped out by it, but I personally get the like oh I get chills when I see something like it's like when people try to make robots look human. <laughs> Like, you don't get creeped out by that? No, I actually don't get creeped out by that, but I am so creeped out by when food, like animated characters, have faces on them. When you put a a legit face, like eyes, mouth, like that kind of thing on a banana, for example, on Cartoon Network, like that freaks me out so much. I don't understand because I eat those bananas and I don't want to feel like they have faces, you know? I, I kind of get you. I mean, maybe that's like your version of what the un- – no. No, the Uncanny Valley is very like explicitly described. <laughs> so I don't know. We're all different, I guess. But I will say that, that a lot of people probably have felt that like creepy feeling when they see something that's almost human but not exactly. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. anyway, let's close off this episode. Thanks so much, guys, for tuning in. Obviously, we have an episode every Thursday, everywhere you listen. Please leave us a uh, review on Apple podcast if you get the chance we appreciate it so much and also of course we have a newsletter that we are building a mailing list for it is currently postponed so if you want to go to the link in our bio and sign up for that just put in your email and if you have any ideas for us at all just let us know because we're so open to talking to y'all yes and be sure to follow us at before we make it on instagram and i think that's it we'll talk to you soon bye guys